everybody. How you doing? And welcome to the John Riley Project. It's Monday. How you doing? Hope you're getting off to a great start for your week. We are live streaming as we always do every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2 o'clock. You know, we live stream here on Facebook and on YouTube. That means we welcome your thoughts and comments. Feel free to type those in and we'll be happy to read your thoughts and comments on the air, your questions, and we'll make this an interesting and fun conversation. Boy, we got a lot in store for you today. There's just a really a lot of very interesting local news here in San Diego that I really want to go through. And, you know, we're going to talk about Apple is expanding their workforce in San Diego to over you know to 5000 people they're adding over the next 5 years which is a huge investment in our local economy there's some really interesting news about a lot of the the downtown office space and some of the work they're doing to recruit new businesses to San Diego um and then a really interesting uh topic that i noticed that was related to housing along El Cajon Boulevard and some of the transformation and some of these interesting ideas they have there. Because, you know, if they're going to have all these jobs, they got to have a place to live. And so that's an interesting topic that we're going to get into as well. And then, of course, a lot of this does have some impact on our local hometown here in Poway. You know, we're building some some construction here in town, and that's got our neighbors and, and friends kind of all in an uproar here locally in Poway. But all of this all sort of ties together. And, you know, it's it's a lot of this is about the economy is growing, it's building, it's changing. And how are we adapting to that change? And I think we'll see that as sort of the theme that goes through this podcast. So again, we welcome your thoughts and comments on the live stream. Feel free to type in your questions and comments. I'll be happy to read them on the air and we'll have a bit of a discussion. But um, I don't know about you, but man, I am really just kind of catching my breath from last night's uh, San Diego Padres LA Dodgers baseball game. Oh my God. I mean, went 11 innings. It was like a marathon game. Five, I think it lasted like five hours, but what a great game. What a great event, not only for the Padre fans, but really for all of baseball. I mean, Fernando Tatis hits five home runs in three days. He's, you know, kind of uh, trolling uh, the pitcher, Trevor Bauer, as he's rounding the bases, covering one eye, you know, because Bauer was doing the same thing to the Padres when he was pitching to them in spring training. Um, Just a lot of, you know, one-upsmanship. I mean, just really turning this into an incredible rivalry. I mean, in one case, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. crosses home plate, does the shimmy, just kind of the way Trevor Bauer, the pitcher for the Dodgers, walks. Um, just a lot of zingers going back and forth. And then, frankly, um, from last week, you know, there was a lot of heated, um, you know, there, there one time they had a benches clearing event. You know, thankfully that didn't happen this this weekend. But just the rivalry was just so amazing. I I felt like I was watching a game in October. I mean, every pitch seemed to matter. It was incredible. And this was on Sunday Night Baseball, so it was a national audience. And um, you know, San Diego is now kind of the center of the. Major League Baseball universe, which is unbelievable. You know, we're talking about change in this podcast. Well, this is a big change for us that have been Padre fans that have been slugging it out, you know, for decades, just grinding in, in, in the shadows of baseball. Now the team is like relevant. The team is, 
you know, really in the spotlight nationally. It's just such a re- welcome and refreshing change. But I mean, it zapped my energy last night. I'll tell you what. Uh, but the Padres ended up beating the Dodgers three out of four, which is terrific. Um, and there were some really interesting quotes that that I picked up on one of the articles from Kevin AC, the the local beat writer for the Padres, and one of them was a quote from Eric Hosmer, uh, who's the first baseman for the Padres. And he said, we've seen some great arms these last several days. Um, Seeing Los Angeles at home, Milwaukee, and then back here in L.A., it seemed like we were going through the gauntlet as an offense. It just truly tested us as an offense. This is an interesting comment. And again, I like to sort of extract what this means to us in real life. You know, it's not just a sports comment. But yeah, they, they faced... The Dodgers for three, Milwaukee for three, and then the Dodgers for four. And I think every pitcher they faced in that 10-game stretch was tough. I mean, had ERAs below three. I mean, they literally did run the gauntlet. This was, I think, a really great opportunity for them to sort of test their mettle, you know, to really prove to themselves how good they are and to and to measure themselves up against some of the best pitching. You know, it's something that as individuals, it's something that we need to strive for is to always be challenging ourselves and measuring ourselves as far as how we're doing, you know, not necessarily comparing yourself to others, which I know that can be a deadly trap, but really proving to yourself, you know, testing yourself to see not only how good you are, but to determine where your weaknesses are so you know the areas where you need to improve. And I think the Padres went through this, and to their credit, they're going through this at the early part of the season. I think this is going to make them better overall as they continue. But they did. I mean, they went through some really tough games, I mean, through this process. But the other quote from Hosmer was great, and it was he was talking about Fernando Tatis Jr., and he said, I truly believe he, you know, Tatis is the best talent in baseball. He's the face of baseball. He showed why, especially seeing how he started, him having no panic in his game whatsoever. As a young player, when you start out a little slow and not the way you want to start out, it's so easy to get in a panic and try to do more and come into a series like this when the whole baseball world is watching us versus the Dodgers and and, and today being on ESPN. So, he says he just continued to impress me on the mental side of the game. He's so special in what he does on the field, and I'm enjoying every piece of history he's part of. So this is a, a great thing. I mean, Fernando Tatis Jr., again, more life lessons that I think can come from this. He's a phenomenal player. I mean, he's a young man. I think, how old is he? Maybe 22 years old um, and just having extraordinary success. But it's the way he carries himself on the field. He, you know, we were talking about this with Chris Paddock last year, just has tremendous um, self-esteem, confidence. He believes in himself. He's good and he knows it, but he's not flaunting it you know, in a way to show up other other people, although he does have a little bit of fun with that. But he's he's comfortable in his own skin. He knows he's good. He goes out there every day and he executes. And even if he's having a down day, he goes through a tough stretch, it doesn't drag him down because he's confident in himself. His parents, I think, did a really good job raising him to the point where he was always he was always so self-confident always had that high level of self-esteem 
And that's what really carries him through. Because it's easy if we maybe don't have that self-confidence and we hit a tough stretch. Self-doubt comes in. You begin comparing yourself to others. And the next thing you know, you're in a really tough spot. That didn't seem to get him down at all. And even though he got off to a tough start, man, he's just doing great now. So, uh, again, I just, the, the team is just doing so great. Tatis, a tremendous ball player, loves seeing what he's doing on the field. And I just love kind of picking up a lot of these essentially life lessons that you can you can get from watching the sports world and watching some of the best players of all time compete on that stage. There's just so much we can learn from it besides the fact that it's just so damn entertaining. Um, but yeah, what a what a great um a great four game series. And, and now the, the Padres took three out of four. So, you know, I tell you, I have a bet with my buddy Dennis over at the Postal Annex here in Poway. It's like right next to the Target. And he's a big Dodger fan. I'm a Padre fan. We're betting a hundred bucks. Um, and the question is, is who's going to win more games this season when they go head to head? Cause they're going to play 19 head to head games, the Padres and Dodgers. He's got the Dodgers. I've got the Padres. So right now I'm ahead. Four wins to three. So we've done seven games. They're playing 19, so they got 12 more. They're not going to meet again until June. So I can't wait for that. Um, but, yeah, this is just shaping up to be a great season. I'm very excited about it, if you can't already tell. Um, okay, so let's get into some of the San Diego news. And there were three articles that I read recently, and I'm going to go through them just a little bit. And they were in the San Diego Union-Tribune, and they're just reflective of so much transformational change that is happening here in San Diego. And it's amazing because, you know, we're, we're just coming out of this COVID pandemic where it seemed to a great degree that life sort of paused for many people. You know, um, we were working from home. We were doing things different. But I'll tell you what, I mean, the world is moving fast and Apple has made an announcement that they're going to expand the San Diego Engineering Hub, uh, boosting the workforce to 5,000 people over the next five years. That's a lot. I mean, not only is this 5,000 new jobs in San Diego, but these are going to be all high-paying jobs here in San Diego County. And so um, uh, Apple is its all part of this plan where they're um, committing to invest $340 billion dollars adding 20,000 new jobs across America by the year 2026. And in 2018, Apple had announced that they were going to open up an, an engineering hub here in San Diego to focus on wireless technologies, and they were going to hire 1,200. Well, they bumped that up to 5,000. This is, this is huge news here locally for our economy. And they said, we are creating jobs in cutting-edge fields from 5G to silicon engineering, to artificial intelligence, investing in the next generation of innovative new businesses in all our work and building toward a greener and more equitable future. So it seems like our uh, business leaders always like to embrace some of those um, kind of buzzwords that are almost being sort of cliche to a point now, talking about a greener uh, future, a more equitable future. Um, 
but you know they're they're in tune with the zeitgeist for sure. Uh, but it's interesting. So apparently Apple has confirmed leases. They have three hundred thousand square feet over by UTC, and they leased another hundred and ninety seven thousand square feet in Rancho Bernardo, which is frankly, geez, that's really close. I would assume it's on the west side of the freeway um, up in the business park. So that's like a couple of miles from my house. So that's going to be a lot of Apple employees, but they're going to need a lot more real estate to house 5,000 employees than just those two um, those two office uh, building areas. But it, it's interesting because it's interesting to see what Apple is actually doing from this. And the article went on to say, with their amped up hiring plans, Apple wants to further compete against San Diego-based Qualcomm to lure local wireless talent. And I think that's a big note here because, you know, Apple and Qualcomm, remember, you know, over the last decade or so, they've been in this legal battle. Um, about the chips that are in the iPhone and Qualcomm made them and there was a patent and they were always battling and, and they eventually settled the issue out of court. Well, Apple is setting up shop here in San Diego. I mean, no doubt trying to, you know, encroach on Qualcomm's turf and probably trying to steal some of their talent to come over and work for Apple because they want to be able to develop their own chip technology that's going to be able to go into their iPhones of the future that are going to be able to do 5G and all this other wireless activity and really kind of do an end around so they don't have to buy the Qualcomm chips anymore. So this is a very savvy move by Apple. Um, and it's it's all happening here locally here in San Diego. And it's something really important, I think, to take a look at. And Apple isn't the only technology company that's making big investments here. So Google recently said it was going to double its office space in San Diego. Amazon and Walmart Labs, I didn't know Walmart had laboratories, but apparently they do. Um, Amazon and Walmart Labs have also put down roots locally over the past few years to gain access to science-savvy graduates from the region's universities. So yeah, right on. So I'm a I'm a, an alum of UC San Diego. So a lot of talent coming out of UCSD, but talent coming out of San Diego State, USD, a lot of the other local universities, you know, people studying engineering. There's going to be a lot more job opportunity here in San Diego, which really is great news. I mean, there's a lot of people that come out of UCSD and they move. You know, they go to Silicon Valley or other parts of the United States. There's a good reason to stay here because San Diego is a fabulous place to live. Um, but it's going to, 5,000 new highly paid jobs coming here just from Apple, not counting what Google is doing and Walmart and Amazon. I mean, it's tremendous. And of course, you know, the, our local politicians love this. So there are quotes in this article on Mayor Todd Gloria and County um, uh, Supervisor Nathan Fletcher. So it, it's just all very interesting. I mean, the, there's a lot more growth in high tech, attracting a lot more high tech workers. And that's going to put stress on our real estate community. I mean, where are these people going to live? Right. And where are they going to work? And, you know, Apple's already identified two office buildings, but where else? So we're going to get into some of the housing and, and some more of the commercial real estate. But yeah, let's take a look at what's going on downtown. Now, downtown right now is downtown San Diego. They've got a ton of vacancies. And so it's interesting. And they're still building. 
and you're thinking, well, what are these guys, what, what, are, what are they smoking, you know? Uh, why are they building so much more, especially in this pandemic when so many people are working from home? But it, the article here, downtown is flooded with fancy new office buildings. Who will fill them? Um, so apparently in downtown San Diego, you know, there's been roughly a 20 year quiet period um, and vacancy rates are skyrocketing. But they're still betting that a lot more high tech and biotech companies are going to come to San Diego and they're moving forward with their building. So, you know, like I said, for some of us during covid, it kind of felt like the world paused but I'm telling you, man, in certain segments of the economy and of society, they're, they're going full steam ahead. So in downtown San Diego, they're building a ton more. But what's interesting is right now, 19% of the office space in San, downtown San Diego is vacant. And then if you count all the new construction that they're planning, well, 40% is going to be vacant. So why in the hell are they doing this? I mean, they're even setting up a plan to transform Tailgate Park right by Petco Park into this biotech campus. I mean, they've got these grand visions of what downtown San Diego is going to be. And it's just, it's fascinating because these investors are something of future casters, right? They, they're looking into the future. They can see where the money is going. They can see the strategic advantage that San Diego has with its high-tech community and its great universities that are right here. And it's a fabulous place to live. I mean, who doesn't want to live in San Diego County? So these companies are making big investment in commercial real estate. And what they're trying to do is they want to lure companies into San Diego. You know, they said they don't anticipate they're going to meet me moving companies like from Torrey Pines and the Mesa up there, some of those biotech and moving them downtown. They, they're going to, they're actively going out and recruiting companies that are headquartered elsewhere to move their headquarters here or to, or to open up, you know, essentially, um, uh, you know, satellite campuses out here in San Diego. These, these guys, they're betting on, on this, even in this COVID pandemic where, Commercial real estate um, vacancy rates are sky high. So very intriguing what's what's happening here. And the article kind of goes a little further that they're setting up what they're calling a downtown innovation center, which is like this conference room that they set up with all this high tech gear that's really selling San Diego, selling the downtown area and all of the um, work life, um, you know, quality of life, life experience, work experience, uh, you know, dynamic in downtown San Diego. They're really selling our city, which is cool. Um, but the the point I guess I'm getting from this is, man, I'll tell you what, I, things are changing quick. Um, the There's going to be an influx of a lot more high paying jobs in San Diego County. Um, that's going to be make a big difference in our economy, a very positive difference for most of us. Um, but things are changing, you know, and that's why I'm going to get into, you know, how well are we adapting to these changes? So again, you know, we're live streaming. I do welcome your thoughts and comments on Facebook and YouTube. So feel free to type those in. I'll read them on the air. If we can have a bit of a Q and a little discussion here. Um, but this um, innovation center, it's kind of cool. I guess they've, 
they've set up this liquid galaxy platform um, with Google Earth that with imagery that flies you over the heart of the city and takes you into some of the region's cool neighborhoods, talking about mass transit and the highly educated workforce that lives nearby. So they're really pitching San Diego hard. And they anticipate, you know, they're not building these buildings on a whim. I mean, they, they, they're doing their research. Um, they, they can see where the movement in the market is, and they're building this capacity because they anticipate a lot of change in San Diego. Now, what's interesting, this article did kind of go into the downside, is that when these companies are being recruited and coming out here and you know really getting the whole song and dance about what San Diego has to offer – there's still a lot of homelessness downtown, and they're worried about that. They thought that that you know, if there's homeless issues, if there's crime or security issues, that could scare away some of these companies. And you know, we just did our podcast with Father Joe and the great work he's doing with the homeless in San Diego. So it's interesting how all these topics in this podcast tend to link together because we talk about the economy, about housing, about homelessness. Um, they all have linkage, and, and we saw that in this story. So the, the point, I guess, of all this is, is yeah, things, things are changing fast. Investors are betting on San Diego. They're betting on our high-tech and biotech community. They're trying to attract out-of-town business. They're trying to attract out-of-town people to move here, high-paying jobs. So it's not just what Apple is investing in Google and Amazon and Walmart, but it's a lot of these other companies that don't even exist yet in San Diego they're trying to bring here. I mean, this is going to have a huge impact on on, um, our workforce, our demographics in San Diego are probably going to change quite a bit as a result of this, as we have more and more high-tech, highly educated workforce coming into San Diego. I mean, to me, this is really exciting. I mean, to me, this is all about human progress. This is about getting better. Now, everyone might be thinking, well, where in the hell are these people going to live, right? So if Apple's creating 5,000 new jobs and, and they're building all this commercial real estate in downtown San Diego, where are they going to live? And we already know that in San Diego, there's a huge housing crisis. There are not enough units in San Diego to satisfy the demand. That's why houses are selling for above the median home price. That's why the median home price in San Diego County, I think right now is in the city of San Diego, I think is $680,000 the last I checked. So that means half the houses sold last month in San Diego were for more than 680,000, the other half below. It's incredible. And if it appears that's just going to keep going up, especially if they don't build enough new housing, uh, because it's just going to put more and more stress on our current limited inventory. Well, there is this proposal in El Cajon, uh, the El Cajon Boulevard area in, down, in San Diego to transform that. And to me, this is very exciting. Um you know, if you ever been down El Cajon Boulevard, I mean, it's it's a hodgepodge of businesses. It's um, very old, parts of it very run down. Um, there's a lot of et, um, ethnic diversity along El Cajon Boulevard, uh, which is great. Um, but it, it definitely, it, there are areas there that could really use a facelift. And there's a lot of housing there, but a lot of kind of run down apartment buildings. Well, they've got this plan now 
to transform El Cajon Boulevard into a um, pedestrian-friendly area. And this is really neat. I mean, I think this vision is something that is really cool. And their goal is to add mid-rise housing. I don't know what is mid-rise. I mean, high-rise is like, you know, downtown, right? 20, 30 or more stories. So what is mid-rise? Like eight to 10 stories. Um, Their goal is to add mid-rise housing, urban plazas, while preserving cultural diversity. And they want to slowly transform the car-centric um, El Cajon Boulevard into a series of pedestrian-friendly neighborhood hubs with mid-rise housing, restaurants, urban plazas, parks, art displays, and event spaces. So this is incredible. Um, and and they, they, they're not going to do the whole strip at once. I mean, it's just enormous. But they're going to break it into like the, what they call these seven hubs. And they want to build more housing, probably housing with no setbacks, which, by the way, is a big source of controversy here in my hometown of Poway, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, They're going to want to build more housing closer to the street, more dense housing, but that creates walkable communities where people can live and work, or maybe people can have access to transportation to go downtown to work in one of those office buildings that are currently being, they're currently being built or currently vacant. But it provides a a nice sense of community, a a very vibrant community. And they're modeling a lot of this off of Little Italy, which has gone through a transformation that I think is fabulous. Gosh, my family went down there in March for – it was kind of a combined birthday for everybody because it was our first time we could go out after, you know, the COVID um, situation. And I'll tell you, we were there on a Sunday late afternoon for an early, early dinner. That was – Fantastic, the little Italy area. I mean, there were people on the streets. There was so much energy. The restaurants were doing great business. Uh, people just out and about enjoying the day in a sunny San Diego. It was fantastic. And the street, you know, was it, what is it, India Street that goes through there? You know, there's a lot less traffic. You know, the, the, the restaurants have sort of encroached onto the street, you know, where there used to be street level parking. There's a transformation that has happened there. But in my opinion, a very positive transformation. And the traffic is no longer going down that road. It's redirected through to other areas. But it's a case where there's they're building more homes, more ho- well, actually housing units because it's a condo area. But they've been able to preserve that cultural um, Italian um uh, energy, you know, still a lot of Italian restaurants, Italian butchers, a lot of other um, remnants of, of that old little Italy that have been brought forward into the 21st century. I think it's just really exciting. So what they're trying to do here on El Cajon Boulevard is something similar. And the merchants are advocating for this as well. They, and they said that Merchants and community leaders are are pushing for this transformation, and they say that the goal is to preserve and celebrate their cultural diversity and not force those residents out by gentrifying the area. So here we go. This is where it becomes political. So it's it's funny how we get into gentrification. I, I remember, gosh, as as a small child, you know, I grew up in the Bay Area and I was born and raised in San Francisco, but my family moved to the suburbs in the 60s. 
uh, you know, that was what many people called white flight, right? So white people were condemned when they left the city. Um, and they called it white flight. Then when, if white people want to move back into the city, they call it gentrification. <laughs> so uh, it just seems that we can't win. Um, I'm, I'm joking with you. Uh, but this is a case where, yeah, they're concerned about gentrification. They want to retain their their character and their cultural diversity. And yeah, good for them. And and hopefully they can do that. Um, but yeah, they were they were critical of not whitewashing the area. So um, that's something. Well, anyways, uh, this plan is um, is to align it with you know local transportation infrastructure, dense housing along transportation corridors. They want to avoid sprawl and create communities focused on walking, biking, and outdoor gatherings. So I think this is, you know, I had a conversation online with a gentleman named Amit Saravala, and uh, Amit um, is a local here in Poway. In fact, he's the president of the Poway Democratic Club. And I did a kind of a podcast episode partly about one of his articles about trying to increase bicycling in Poway. And he and, I, he and I had an interesting conversation on Facebook. He is a fan of a lot more infill development, infill housing, as opposed to sprawl. He's a fan of building more and creating more dense urban housing. And he's a fan of that, as opposed to building housing way out in the on the edges of the county, uh, encroaching in some of the rural areas of the county. And we agree on the infill part of that for sure. And that's what this is. I mean, it's a, it's a matter of transforming, transforming some of these neighborhoods into something that's newer, more vibrant, um, something that can boost the economy, make it an even a more exciting place to live. I think it's terrific. Um, Chris Sohei on the live stream says, correct. Everybody was a fan of that before COVID especially lenders and banks. So, um, Chris, I assume you're talking about the the more dense urban living. Well, I think people still understand the benefit of that. I think people are slowly being educated to the benefit of building more housing, particularly building more dense housing in the city areas, wherever you can. Um of course, COVID kind of spooked people, right? When we had COVID, everyone was socially distanced. But, but I think as we've learned more, as you know, science is, you know, we, we've, we've gotten better at the science of this. We're also realizing when people are outdoors, the, the risk is minimal. I mean, almost insignificant. Uh, unless you're, you know, at a rock concert and you're in a mosh pit or something or at a political rally where everyone's shoulder to shoulder. If you're outdoors... It's very safe. So in a highly dense urban style living, if you're in a apartment or condo and you're in your own spot, that's safe. And when you go out and walk on the street, it's still safe. And besides, people are being vaccinated. And I think as we get more vaccination, there's going to be a lot less fear and doubt that's going to be out there. So um, now what was cool in this article, and this is a part that I really didn't know about, is Historically, I guess they said the former United States Highway 80 was the region's main east-west freeway for decades, and El Cajon uh, became more of a miracle mile business district when they built the new freeway, Interstate 8. So apparently El Cajon Boulevard was the freeway at one one time. I didn't know that. 
Um, I know down through Mission Valley where Interstate 8 is, I guess that was a um, – what was it? That was like a cow pastures, right? Cow farms. It was agricultural. They put the freeway through there. Um, but I didn't know that El Cajon Boulevard was kind of part of the main freeway out of San Diego. Um, but, yeah, you know, when they built the freeway along the 8, I guess, yeah, El Cajon Boulevard maybe became – what do they call that? The business route, you know, where you can take an exit and suddenly there are hotels and restaurants and places for travelers to stay. But the area, in my opinion, is mostly run down. I mean, that area could really use a major facelift. So I'm really rooting for them on, on this idea. Now, granted, it's still very conceptual. I mean, they really haven't gotten very far with this. Um, but apparently the city is apparently it's good timing. So the city is already approving um, incentives for developers to build more dense housing for low-income and middle-income residents. Um, so that's a win. Um, you know, we've debated low-income housing and affordable housing, and um, you know there are pros and cons to that. I don't think that's always a win for the economy. Um, but there's obviously a huge push for affordable housing, this is going to include that. Now, I'm of the opinion if they just build more housing, period, that's going to open up inventory and ultimately create more affordable housing. But in this case, I think they're talking about more subsidized housing. Um, Jim Haney on the live stream talking John O'Reilly. Jim, I'm not sure who you're talking about. Um, going down here, the, the incentives also for developers are to build larger projects if they reserve units with lower incomes and similar incentives for projects with small, quote, micro units. This is cool. I mean, this is the case of building like really small studio apartments, which typically have been illegal. But now, you know, they want to create more housing units for people. So they're willing to allow these developers to create small studios and now suddenly those can be integrated into the into the floor plan of these you know mid-rise buildings. I think that's terrific. So um it's it, it all of this was just very interesting to me and you know of course they're I'm I'm flipping through the article. Of course they're talking about it's a zero carbon and they're trying to sell the whole climate change angle to this. But it's 60 blocks of El Cajon Boulevard. They want to break it into seven smaller areas. And they're going to call them hubs. And I would imagine that the streets are going to be narrow. The The building of housing is probably going to in, you know, encroach much. It's not going to have as much setback. It's going to be probably built right up to the sidewalk is my assumption. But it's going to create more of that urban feel in these you know, micro hubs that are along El Cajon Boulevard. So it's a, it's a pitch. It's an idea. But it's not really realized yet. Um, but all of these things, I think, link together to me because they're, they're major corporations like Apple and Google and Amazon and Walmart, you know, Walmart Labs, <laughs> whatever that is. Uh, but, but frankly, Walmart Labs is probably the piece of the business that's competitive with Amazon, I'd assume. It's probably their e-commerce engine for the Walmart uh, corporation. That's my guess. But they're making investments in San Diego. They're bringing more high-paying jobs. They're creating jobs. And, and just a bit of a tangent, businesses are the job creators. I mean, don't make no mistake about it. You hear the stories that the customers create jobs. No, customers create demand, 
and then the business decides if they're going to meet that demand and how efficiently they're going to meet the demand. Ultimately, businesses are the ones that create jobs. Businesses decide they're going to have a job opening. They advertise for the job opening. They create office space for the job opening. They interview for the job opening, and they hire for the job opening. Businesses create jobs, and that's what they're doing. So Apple, Amazon, Google, Walmart Labs, and then even Qualcomm and a lot of other companies here making big investments. You've got You've got commercial real estate really betting on downtown San Diego to build more office space, trying to recruit high-tech and biotech companies from out of San Diego to come into San Diego. Then you've got what's going on, this proposed plan to reimagine what's going on in El Cajon Boulevard, which I think is wonderful, um, because you've got to have a place for all these people to live. Um, which is a key part of this because the housing crisis in San Diego is very acute. It's a very serious problem. Um, Chris um, Sohei on the live stream says, interested to see if you will bring up ADUs for primary homes. So those are granny flats, right? What is, what is, uh, is it an accessory dwelling unit or um, I think that's what that is. ADUs or granny flats, I think are wonderful ideas. And, the the government sometimes gets in the way and prevents those from being built. Now, re, very in the last couple of years, the government, you know, particularly Democrats, have finally sort of changed their tune. For the longest time, Democrats have been so anti-development. Um, you know, they've often, when Republicans have run for office, they've accused the Republicans of being in bed with the developers, and frankly, in many cases, they were. Um, but the developers just wanted to build and the Democrats were clinging to keeping San Diego the way it's always been. This sleepy village along the sea, this um, Navy town that um, has this surf culture. And, you know, San Diego history is wonderful, but you can't freeze time. You can't hit the pause button on your VCR, assuming you still have a VCR. You, you can't hit the pause button and expect the world to, to, to freeze around you. So I love the idea that there's encouragement of building these ADUs or granny flats because it encourages not only more housing, but it helps current property owners monetize their property. They can uh, have rental income which can help offset their mortgage and any of their other living expenses. It provides an opportunity for people that are retired to create more income uh, from people that are on their property. I, I think it's a great idea, but sometimes people get in the way. I mean, heck, I live on two acres of land here in Poway, and I suspect I wouldn't be able to build an, a, an ADU on my property. I have to investigate it, but I think the city is probably a lot more welcome of it, but I live in a little community with a homeowners association that probably wouldn't be uh, comfortable with that. But I often thought about it. I mean, you know, it would be kind of cool to build a few of those because I have a space to do it. Um, but anyways, uh, Chris on the live stream has a bunch of comments here. I'll go through them one at a time. Hope there is some condo rather than just luxury apartments with high costs and minimal affordable housing. We need condos. And yeah, that's part of this plan, I think, in the the reimagining of El Cajon Boulevard 
is definitely going to have multifamily dwellings. So those will be apartments. Those will be condominiums. I would imagine the brand spanking new ones are not going to be cheap, although they said they're going to carve out a portion for low income and middle income. But that means the rest of it is going to be for higher income. But they're going to be a lot more high paying jobs. Now, the argument I often hear, especially here in our hometown of Poway, they're building about, what is it, about a thousand units along Poway Road. And some are going to be rentals, some are condos that people can buy. And they're going to be selling like around $700,000 for like a two story townhouse. There's people here in my hometown of Poway that are freaking out about this whole thing. They're like saying, how can these people live here? They could never afford it. Well, yeah, well, depending on what's going on in your career and your financial situation, yeah, there's a lot of people that won't be able to afford that. Now, will a a high-tech worker that's going to be working for Apple that'll be working in their new Rancho Bernardo facility, will they be able to buy that and live in that community? I think they very well could. Um, Even for jobs for people just getting out of college, if they're able to kind of pull together a down payment, I think they'll be able to afford the mortgage for sure. Um, So, but there's a lot of other people that are going to be moving in. There's people that are moving up. I mean, the economy is still cooking and and it's forecasted to really grow even further. So if the economy continues to grow, well, then we're going to have more people with higher paying jobs. People are going to be moving up into higher quality places to live. Well, when they move into these high-end condos, whether they're on El Cajon Boulevard or downtown San Diego or even here in Poway, that means they're moving out of somewhere else. They're moving out of a $400,000 condo or of out of an apartment building that they were paying $2,400 a month rent. So that's going to free up that space. And then people a notch below are going to move up into those buildings, it's, which is then going to free up a $300,000 condo or an apartment that's only $1,500 a month and so on and so on. So I think that's going to create a lot more housing opportunity for people on all ends of the spectrum, um, high end, middle and low. But still, all these projects, you know, when government's going to approve them, they're going to demand that a portion of them are, are catering to low income, which means that they're effectively subsidized either by tax dollars or by the buyers of the, you know, the people that are spending $700,000 for a condo, maybe seventy-five dollars to $100,000 of that purchase price is subsidizing some of the condos on the other end of the development. That may be the case in, 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 other, in other situations. Um, Chris Soe goes on to say, don't tell that to Gavin, uh, Gavin Newsom or Nathan Gonzalez that businesses create jobs. Yeah. It, the people people hate hearing that that businesses create jobs, but that's the truth. I mean, of course, customers' demand has an impact on that. But I mean, like, think about when talking about Apple. Think about when Steve Jobs created the iPhone. How much demand was there for an iPhone? I mean, probably none. I mean, no one. People were using Blackberries or big clunky old phones or little flip phones. The whole idea of having a touchscreen device that had all these apps that could really improve your life dramatically, that concept didn't really even exist. People didn't really know enough about it to, to, to demand it. But Steve Jobs made that investment, designed the product. It was a beautiful design. 
hired engineers, hired designers, outsourced the manufacturing, got it done, creating countless jobs before there was a lick of demand. Businesses create jobs. Demand incentivizes it. Customers incentivize job creation, but ultimately businesses create jobs. Um, Chris goes on to say, life science tech is the proper term, which is just what the banks will finance right now. So I guess that was biotech, right? So now it's called life science tech. I mean, to me, this is what's great about San Diego. There's so much of this, especially students coming out of UCSD. There's a lot of bioengineering majors that are coming out of UC San Diego and, and, and the other universities here in, the, in our area. A lot of development on medical devices and pharmaceuticals and, and some genetic um, uh, you know, research and, and products that are coming from this kind of research. I think this is very exciting. And I think this is the kind of thing that is not only hugely beneficial to human progress, but wonderful opportunity for San Diego. But now investors are seeing this and they're doubling down on it. That's why they're bringing more engineering talent here. That's why they're building more office space. Um, Chris goes on to say, great analysis here, John. Thanks. Mike Ryan with the, hello, John. Hey, John. Um, hey, Mike, how are you? In fact, Mike, we, we mentioned you in the Friday podcast because we were surmising about the grocery store that's going in here in Poway um, and that's likely going to be an Amazon Fresh or a Whole Foods because Amazon is creating these fully automated grocery stores. And I would love to have a conversation with you about that. That might be a good opportunity for you to come in and do a podcast episode with me to talk about what a fully automated grocery store would be like and what the good, bad, and ugly of it is. Because I know you're a professional in the grocery industry, and I'm sure you see this you know, potentially as a perceived threat. And, and I would love to talk to you about that. Uh, but we, we, we spent some time on that on the podcast on Friday. So, Mike, nice to see you. How you doing? Um, so, at any rate, um, I, I want to talk a little bit about all of this, and I want to come back to you know, what this all really means. And I'm kind of hinting on that as I'm going through this podcast. And I want to talk about what this means here in our hometown of Poway as well. But before I do, I just want to say, hey, I welcome your thoughts and comments. Please join me on social media. Go to my, um, you can go to my website, johnreillyproject.com and, and sign up on our list or get access to all of our social media links. But the easy URL that I created is called mm-hmm. connectwithjohnny.com, connectwithjohnny.com. There you'll see all of our links to our Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And then also all the podcast platforms where you can get the audio only podcast and uh, you can even sign up on our mailing list. So, you know, join us there, go to connectwithjohnny.com and we'll continue the conversation after the podcast. Um, okay. So, you know, to a certain degree, I mean, this is a little bit of a, a news update, right? I'm kind of sharing the update about Apple and Google and downtown businesses and what they're doing with office space. But what does this really mean for you? Okay. Now, if you're an engineer, this is great, right? If you're a college graduate coming out of, with a degree, this is great news. But a lot of us aren't in that situation. A lot of us are in different situations in life. I think the key part of this that we have to understand is, is that we can't continue to cling to the past. There are a lot of people that just want to keep San Diego the way it is. They, they don't want to change things. They just want to keep everyone else out. I remember 
back in the 90s, I was talking with one of my coworkers and I was telling him, I go, man, they really need to expand the San Diego airport. You know, it's 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 a problem getting in and out of that. And it's hard for business. And he said, no, man, I want to keep it small. I want to make it hard for people to do business in San Diego because I don't want anyone coming here. I want to keep them all out. I was thinking, oh, man, that's just the wrong mentality. But I know a lot of people believe that. But you can't change. You can't stop the wheels of human progress. Things are there's always going to be change. But people still feel a need to cling to the past. And we see that here in my hometown of Poway. Uh, Poway is going through a major transformation along Poway Road. And I mean, people are up in arms about the construction. People want Poway to go back to the way it was like in the 70s and 80s when they were children and how they loved Poway back then. And they wish they could go back to that. But, you you know, it's like I said, you can't hit the pause button on your VCR or or, or on your um, YouTube. You know, well, here you're watching on YouTube. You can hit the pause, but you can't hit pause in life. The world keeps moving forward, and, and it's, about, it's important to understand ways that we can see the future and figure out a way to not fight against it, not to fight, you know, try to roll a boulder up a hill or be like a salmon and try to fish upstream when the current is racing in the other direction. We have to find ways to go with the flow and then seek opportunity, opportunity that's still consistent with our own values. But- I I would encourage us to really embrace this kind of change because it's going to bring greater opportunity, not just for these high tech workers and potentially people moving into San Diego. It's going to bring opportunity for all of us because these are high paying jobs. These are people that are going to have money to spend. They're going to have to need products and services to satisfy their life. But more importantly, these companies are going to need to hire workers. So, you know, if you are in college or consider going back to college, do it. You know, study engineering, um, get up to speed on hardware and software and telecommunications, on e-commerce, on 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 5G, on RFID. You know, get on the cutting edge of this. And if you maybe have gone to college or maybe you're older and you don't really want to go back and get a four-year degree – there's fantastic online learning that's available that you can spend relatively very little. I mean, way, way, way less than you would pay for even just a semester at a public university. And you can get specialized courses that will teach you about many of these disciplines where you can build skill. So if if there is going to be a surge of high-tech you know, life science technology is what Chris was calling it. This is an opportunity for, for us to capitalize on that and to make adjustments to our career path and to our life path to take advantage of it. But it's not just if you want to work for those companies or as an employee or even as an outsourced contractor, which, by the way, they're going to be looking for outsourced contract talent. You know for sure they will. But even if you're in other industries, I mean, like Mike Ryan is in the grocery industry, right? So we've talked about that. Well, these people moving in are going to need food. Um, they're going to need um, comfortable and convenient places to shop for products and services to make their life better while they live here. They're going to need housing and furnishings for their home. And then they're going to take advantage of a wide range of um, services from providers 
throughout San Diego, and they're going to spend money at restaurants and for leisure activity and for entertainment. So businesses that can reorient themselves to cater to these new people moving into San Diego County could potentially capitalize um, on the opportunity, can reposition either themselves in their career or reposition their company to take advantage of this. I think that's a very powerful idea that is important to embrace because you're not going to be able to stop it. I mean, there's a lot of people just, they literally want to prevent development. You, you can't stop it. It's going to happen. San Diego is a very desirable place to live. People want to move here, especially if they can get a good job. So you can't stop it. So the question is, is how do you find a way to capitalize on that opportunity? You know, we need to be thinking like entrepreneurs and looking for ways that this can greatly improve our situation because there's going to be more money, more spending money from high paid workers, more investment dollars that are going to be flowing through and a tremendous amount of opportunity. And I'm just touching on Apple and and Google and Walmart Labs and Amazon. I mean, there's a ton of more opportunity, especially downtown. So we... Even though we're coming out of this COVID crisis, man, things are happening fast. And meanwhile, you know, like it or not, Biden is, is pumping money. I mean, Trump did previously, but Biden now with this infrastructure plan, you know, like the plan or not, it's going to happen. So there's going to be a lot more money flowing through the economy. It's going to be coming from government as well as from private investors. So a ton of opportunity that exists. Um, so I think th- this is something that we need to look to to, to capitalize on ourselves as individuals. Um, On the live stream, Mike says, yeah, it's a concern to me. So I guess you are concerned about a fully automated Amazon fresh grocery store. I believe that's what they're building here in Poway at the intersection of Pomerado and Twin Peaks because they're taking so darn long to set it up. Um, I, I drove by yesterday. It looks like they've blown up the whole concrete flooring. So it looks like they're probably laying infrastructure, you know, setting up the system so it can handle um, scanners, so it can handle RFID. So there's going to be cameras and artificial intelligence. I think it's going to be built into that grocery store. Now, Mike, I know for you, that has a huge impact on you, your way of life, your colleagues and your career. But with all due respect for us as shoppers, I think this is very interesting, potentially very exciting. So Again, love to talk to you about that. Maybe we need to schedule a podcast with you as a guest so we can get into it. But I want to now just speak briefly about all this going on in San Diego and and how this impacts my little town here of Poway, California. And, um, you know, here on Poway Road, they're building all this new construction. I've seen people taking photos. These condos, these townhomes are all going up. People are freaking out freaking out about all of this. And um, they, 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 they see a major change along Poway Road. And people are upset with it. There's going to be more traffic, more congestion. And oh my God, it's going to be a big change. Well, I saw a photo that someone had posted and they were up, if you live here in Poway, if they were up on Terrascan, kind of up in along the hill there, and they looked down and they could see the construction. They were kind of above it. I drove up there with my car and I went and just tried to get the same visual, but I wanted it in real life. I wanted to kind of feel what it looked like. And 
you and I saw, I saw something very different. I mean, we were still seeing physically the same thing, construction areas, framing, you know, two by fours going up. But you know what I saw? I saw bedrooms and living rooms and housing units being constructed in a two or a three story environment. I saw places where people were going to live, where people were going to spend a portion of their life, where they were going to live and enjoy the city of Poway, maybe even raise family. Because, you know, even in a condo, that's, well, going to be a lot of families that are going to move in there, especially when they're in walking distance to some of the really good schools here in Poway. These homes, there's going to be no shortage of people moving in, even if they do sell for $700,000. I'm not even counting a lot of these high-tech workers for Apple and everyone else moving in. Right now, I don't. I expect those things are going to sell very, very rapidly. But I see, I don't know, I, I when I was reading that article about El Cajon and the transformation that's going, that they're envisioning along El Cajon Boulevard, not in the city of El Cajon, but in San Diego, along El Cajon Boulevard, this whole concept of more density, more walkable community, more, um, uh, you know, greater sense of, of again, yeah, of, of community, a different kind of energy. I think it's great. And they need to build more housing. There, there's a huge housing crisis. There's not enough places for people to live. And that's why housing is so damn expensive. Now, for me as a homeowner, this is great. I mean, it's setting my home value through the roof. But, you know, in general, it's tough. And if we want to continue to grow and build this economy, there needs to be more affordable housing, whether that's government subsidized or essentially market housing, which is the type that I prefer, um, less expensive market housing. That's only going to happen when they build more units. And you can't really build horizontally much anymore in San Diego County without encroaching on rural turf um, and really upsetting a lot of the environmentalists. In many cases, you got to build vertically. And even in our hometown of Poway, yeah, our, our, our motto is the city and the country, but really that hasn't applied to Poway for decades. <laughs> Poway is another suburban city. And yeah, we have remnants of, you know, of a country feel. There's still some people with horses and some ranches, but there has been so much development in this city starting in the 19, really in the 50s, but it really built up steam in the 70s and 80s, where the city and the country is a really nice motto, but it doesn't reflect reality. Again, people cling to the past. They're not embracing the future. They're trying to prevent the future from occurring. They're trying to stand in the middle of traffic and stop it. But you can't stop human progress. You need to find ways to go with the flow, seek opportunity in a way that's consistent with your own values. And I just wish there were more people in my town that would do that. Because all I see is whining and complaining about the construction on Poway Road. And I know it's change and change is hard. I get it. There's going to be more people. So, yeah, there's probably going to be more traffic. But Poway Road is going to be very different. Um, I I am optimistic that it's going to be net positive, where I know a lot of people think it's going to be net negative when it's done. But I I foresee that there's going to be 
more modern housing, um, more of a community sort of central area to Poway. Um, there's going to be more commercial businesses and restaurants that'll be in that walkable area. To me, this is exciting. And they're really, what are, what are they replacing? They're replacing some vacant lots. They're replacing a, um, a, a storage facility. And yeah, they're replacing an old bowling alley that was way overdue from being, you know, remodeled or replaced. And yeah, they're replacing some thrift stores, which I know is a really hot topic for people. But most of the land is vacant or empty. Um, so it's more what Amit Asaravala talked about, more in infill housing. And I think that's a good thing. Um, I, I really do, and I think it's it's good for people that want to that want to live in San Diego or, in this case, live in Poway. Poway is one of the most desirable places to live in San Diego, especially if you want to raise a family. And this is a great community. So, like I said, when I was up on the hill looking down, and I was looking in, you know, I was looking at the sticks, the framing. And you can sort of see where they're carving out rooms and living rooms and bedrooms. I was future casting and I, I could see in my mind people there sitting on a couch or sitting at a dinner table or maybe sitting at a desk, you know, telecommuting, but people living their life, living in a city where they want to be, living in a new um, housing unit, apartment or condo, a place that they take great pride in. I see that as a positive uh, for those people that move in. I also see it as a positive to transform an old, worn-out section of Poway into something more modern and, frankly, a lot more, you know, in this case, green. You know, there's going to be a lot of, of technology there that's going to make these units you know, more sustainable, not, not unlike what this, these future casters are planning for El Cajon Boulevard. Now, along Elko Boulevard, it's a little different because they're really trying to preserve more of that cultural history, which isn't as, which isn't as, um, I'm not going to say big deal. It, it, It isn't as concerning in the city of Poway because, frankly, the city of Poway doesn't have very much cultural history, right? I mean, it has a history, but it's not like there's an Asian neighborhood or excuse me, a Chinese neighborhood or a Filipino neighborhood or a Japanese neighborhood or like little Italy, an Italian neighborhood. You know, Poway's never been like that. Um, but I, I, I'm excited. I, I really am. I'm excited about all of this. I'm excited about Apple and Amazon and Walmart labs and Google um, expanding in San Diego. I'm excited about what they're doing in downtown you know, and and really making that downtown area even more vibrant, more exciting, and that entertainment district and Petco Park and the gas lamp. I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, that's a huge resource here in San Diego to attract people to live here, but also to attract visitors and um, and tourists. Um, I'm excited about these these ideas that people are envisioning for El Cajon Boulevard. I think it's wonderful, and. This plan here in, in Poway, you know, it's not a perfect plan, um, but I see I'm optimistic. I, I see my glass is half full <laughs> rather than half empty. So 
I don't know. I, I'm again. I I um. I also realize that I I can't change any of this. I'm just a guy, a guy with a podcast. Um, but I see that there's gonna. This is all gonna create great opportunity for people. And I think if you approach it from that perspective, I think it's a good thing. Um, Mike Ryan on the live stream says, "Hey, let's do it." So yeah, great. So let's. Uh, Let's talk about that. Let's talk, Mike. Let's schedule a podcast. Talk a little bit more about the grocery industry, and and this you know prediction that we're going to get an automated Amazon Fresh here in Poway. You go on to say that's correct. Any grocery company is a direct threat to my store's business. Yeah, for sure. Um, also on the live stream, Mike says I like your views on the housing, John. I don't share the same view, but that can change with time. However, I have my concerns with what comes with this development. Yeah, I get it. Mike, I understand that. There's a lot of people that are very concerned about this development in Poway. But you know what? If they, if these future casters were able to build what they want to build on El Cajon Boulevard, there's going to be people there that are not going to be happy with it or very concerned. You know, change is hard. And it's easy, to, you know, as humans, we, we tend to want to resist change because change is the unknown. Change is, you know, sometimes scary. It's easier just to keep things the way they are. I understand that. Um, I understand that people have concerns about traffic and congestion and maybe the impact on infrastructure, the impact on schools when it comes to this new development in Poway. Um, Those are all legitimate concerns. But I think when this thing is done, it's going to be better than we think. Because right now it's messy and it's construction and there's bulldozers and, and construction crews and sometimes one lane is closed and it screws traffic up. And I, I get that. It's hard. But we're going to start to see finished work here not too far in the future. Um, frankly, I thought we were going to see that with the outpost in Poway, but that ended up uh, getting stalled on its construction. But the Poway Commons, I think we're going to start to see finished units very soon. And then we're going to be able to make some judgments to how good is this or how bad is this? Again, I, I'm with you. I understand there's concerns. I tend to be more optimistic that I think this is going to be better than what we envision and, and definitely better than what existed before. Uh, Yuri Bolin on the live stream says, South Poway has no rights because it is not protected under Prop FF. It should be either amended or abolished. And the North Park can suffer as well. And then it would be equality under the law. Okay, well, let me comment on this. And first of all, okay, so for the, our listeners and viewers, Prop FF is the ordinance that was passed here in Poway in the late 1980s that was meant to slow down development. That was really intended by our founders to prevent Poway from turning into a section of, let's just say, you know, suburban sprawl. Well, by this time in the late 80s, there was already a good degree of suburban sprawl in Poway, but there were certain areas of Poway that were more rural, that had larger acreages of home lots, and they wanted to prevent those areas from being rezoned without, and if they were to be rezoned, it would require a voter approval. Well, I understand that. I personally am not a fan of Prop FF. Um, I think 
these zoning regulations that prevent construction is what makes housing so damn expensive uh, because it limits supply. It limits inventory and it makes everything expensive, not not just to buy the housing, but to rent housing. Um, so and besides, I'm a big property rights guy. So I figure if you own the land, you should be able to build on the land. Um, but Prop FF prevents that. Now, in South Poway, parts of South Poway are protected by Prop FF, like the Matade Meadows. But yeah, the Poway Road area isn't. And I don't know the rationale why they prevented that from being in the plan. I don't understand that. Maybe they thought that was a commercial district and therefore there was going to be a lot more dynamic growth there. I don't know the, the whole history of it. Should the whole city be under the same law? There's equality under the law? Yeah, I'm with you on that for sure. Uh, but that's not what exists today. I mean, that's what we would hope it would be. Um, but, you know, maybe does Prop FF need to be repealed? Well, maybe. Yeah, I, I, if, if there was, a, if there was a, a motion to repeal Prop FF, I would support it. Now, does that mean we would suffer up in, I live in North Poway. Well, they're going to be transforming Stone Ridge Golf Course into a, um, a housing development called The Farm. I think it's great. <laughs> I mean, it's going to provide more amenities. There's going to be, um, you know, I think a brewery there or, or a, a cafe and a restaurant. There's going to be opportunity to buy agriculture. That's good news. I mean, I don't see that as suffering at all. Um, there's been proposals to build a hotel at Madeira's Golf Course in Poway. I don't see that as suffering at all, but Prop FF prevented it. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's necessarily suffering if they build and improve, um, you know, some of the areas around here. So um, now, again, I, I understand if people, people don't like change. And so change is a threat. Change is disruptive. And for some people, change is suffering. But if you kind of look at the big picture and where this is going, you know, it could be very good. Pete Neal says, it's not the change, it's the difference that bothers most. Right. So, well, what does that mean, Pete? The difference. I mean, the difference between what it used to be and what it will become? Yeah, because there will be a difference. I mean, there was a open lot there at the intersection of Tarascan and Poway Road right across from Taco Bell that's been an open lot like since the mid-90s. There, there used to be a bank there, and I remember they bulldozed that. Since the mid-90s or around 2000 when they bulldozed, it's been an empty lot for like two decades. Yeah, that's going to change. There's going to be housing there. But, you know, like I was up on the hill on Terrascan looking down on it. Like I said, I, I just see people living there. I, I see the land being developed, being the resources being transformed into something that's productive. Um, people that now have a, a roof over their head that can raise a family that have an opportunity to have a comfortable lifestyle, to live in a city that we all love. I think it's a good thing. Um, but yeah, it's there's change. I understand that. Um, pa- Pete Neal said, Poway was a stage shop. Stage, <laughs> that's one of those, it's like saying toy boat five times fast. Toy boat, toy boat, toy boat. Poway was a stage stop. And it was settled by people who wanted to get away from the city. You're right, Pete. That is very true. But that was like over 100 years ago. (laughs) So things change. Um, 
you know, the world's changing. I, San Diego County has grown so much. You know, we, we can't prevent change. We can only adapt to it and find ways to evolve with it and seek opportunity. But we, I mean, we can't turn the clock back and make Poway a stage stop. <laughs> Why do I have trouble saying that? Um, Yuri Bolan on the live stream says, we got to vote on the farm. It's not always change. It's the unfair practice. Well, the voters voted for Prop FF, right? The voters voted to give us what we have now where there is in inequity, essentially. Parts of the city are protected by Prop FF. Prop parts were not. Um, but yeah, on the farm, we got a chance to vote. And the first time the vote was turned down, the second time it passed. So that's the way the founders of Poway intended for Prop FF to work. They didn't want to say you can't do construction, but they just wanted to make sure that the people had the opportunity to vote on it. Now, what's interesting is, is that the politicians in Sacramento, particularly the Democrats, which are in charge, which for the longest time had been very anti-development or very slow growth, you know, very tightly controlled, tightly managed growth. The Democrats in Sacramento have done a 180. Now they're even the Democrats in San Diego have done a 180. Now they're yes in my backyard. They're no longer NIMBYs. They're YIMBYs. It's amazing. Well, now there's a push in and I don't know if this is passed or not, or it's being uh, proposed that things like Prop FF, the state may overrule them because the state sees, I mean, Prop FF, let's, you know, call it what it is. It's a NIMBY law. That's effectively what it is. Um, and we can debate whose backyard, depending on where you live in Poway. But, but effectively, it's a law that local people have set up to either prevent or make construction and de- or development very difficult. It's a NIMBY law. Officials in Sacramento want to essentially blow out all those local ordinances, those local zoning regulations, those local NIMBY laws to make it easier to build because they see the problem that there's not enough housing units. Meanwhile, they're trying to attract more talent here to California, more high paying jobs to California to create more opportunity for Californians. But they can't do that if there's no place for people to live. So, it, so that's why the Democrats have kind of changed their tune, in my opinion, a refreshing change. But there's, yeah, it, it's difficult. There's a, there's a lot of, there's difficulty here. No, no question. It's, change is hard. But I think we have to understand that at this point, at least what's going on in Poway or even what's happening broader in San Diego, you can't really change it. You can't change human progress. You can't change that. It's going to happen. You can put up a fight and and you might be able to prevent it for a short period of time, but at some point you just can't change it. In my opinion, the better approach is, is to accept the change, accept reality, and then find ways to maneuver, to find, to seek opportunity, to see how that can improve your life. 
and and I in my opinion that's the better approach. But I understand that people disagree with me, and that's okay. Um, on the live stream, Pete Neal says my home in Rhode Island was built in Washington's second term of office. It's still there, and the town of Lincoln has not changed. True, in many parts of the country. They have built wonderful communities and they've stood the test of time. But there are also areas, even on the eastern seaboard, where they have blown up older sections of town and rebuilt. And I would imagine, Pete, that your 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 childhood home was probably, I think you even told me, was a historic um uh, a, a historic site. So there was an effort to preserve it and protect it. I understand that. I get that. But there's still people that own property. If you're a property owner and you've got an old building on your property and you could build something new on that same property that could generate greater income for you and provide upgraded services for the people that live around you, in my opinion, that's a good thing. Now, in some areas, the property owner wants to keep their property. I understand that. In some cases, the community wants to preserve things that are historical. I understand that too, although that could rub property rights in the wrong direction. But what are they building in Poway? They're, I mean, they're, they're building on vacant land. They blew up a storage facility to make room for some of these housing units. And yeah, they're, 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 going, uh, they're uh, demolishing an, an old, worn-out bowling alley and then a, a thrift store mall that a thrift store strip mall that is near and dear to many people's hearts, including Yuri Bolin. I understand that, but that property owner that owns that land where the thrift stores are and where the bowling alley is, it's his or her property. If they want to sell it, they should be able to sell it. Um, so, I think you know, that's the whole property rights angle to this that uh, I feel passionately about. Um, Mike Ryan on the live stream says, you mentioned development on El Cajon Boulevard. I'm from City Heights and the San Diego State area. They've done really nice things off of Montezuma Road. My whole goal when moving to Poway was to get away from the city's congestion and to live in a safer environment. Yeah, I hear you. So, you know, Mike, I don't know if if, if you caught the earlier part of the podcast, but yeah, they're talking about reimagining these different hubs along El Cajon Boulevard, seven hubs across a 60 block area to bring in more dense housing, what they call mid rises, which I assume is like eight to 10 story housing and having walkable cycling communities, more, you know, uh, housing and commercial integration, mixed development, mixed use development. To me, this is exciting for that area. And I think if they do it, will there be more congestion? Yeah, because there'll be more people. But will there be, will it be um, safer? I think it will. I think it'll end up being safer because it'll be newer. And I think that tends to be safer as a general rule. Um, a conversation going on between guys on the podcast stream. Mike, your thoughts on the 400Z? Uh, Mike Ryan, of course, is a big Datsun Nissan Z guy. Mike uh, telling Pete he's not a fan. Um, 
So anyways, a little auto shop talk going on on the live stream here. Okay, so um, I guess what am I getting at here? Like this was something of a news update podcast, right? I mean, we're talking about Apple and we're talking about high-tech jobs and we're talking about more commercial real estate for biotech or excuse me, for life science tech and for high-tech downtown. Talked about the El Cajon reimagining, all good stuff. Um, And then we we had some commentary here about Poway and housing. And that's all, it's, it's a very hot topic here in Poway. And, you know, Mike and Pete and Yuri are, all three of these men are good friends of mine. I, I trust them. I respect them. Sometimes we have a little difference of opinion, and that's okay. That's why we talk it out in this podcast. And actually, all three of them have been guests on my podcast. And I welcome all three of them back for a podcast conversation. Hey, I'm vaccinated. If you guys are vaccinated, then let's come together and do the podcast in person in the podcast studio. We don't have to do it over Zoom or StreamYard or anything else. Um, but I love the discussion of this and I know that I'm, you know, I think I'm right, but I know I'm, other people have different opinions and that's the beauty of this podcast is we get to learn from one another and we learn why people believe they, the way they believe. And I think when I do these solo podcasts, I try to explain that on why I believe the way I believe on this. To me, this is a lot about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what this podcast is about. And that's how I feel as it relates to this job growth, this commercial real estate growth, this housing growth. Those people, whether they're workers or landowners, they have a right to their life. They have a right to liberty to choose. And they have a right to pursue their own happiness, just like you do. And as long as they're not violating anyone else's rights, then I think they should be able to pursue their happiness. And if if pursuing their happiness means selling a property on Poway Road that their family has held for multiple generations and being able to cash out so that their family members can retire more comfortably or they can share that wealth within the family with other family members, if that's their pursuit of happiness, you know, more power to them. It's their land. And they should have the liberty to sell their land and sell it to a developer who also has the liberty to build on it. So, you know, we always think about we need rights for ourselves, but the other guy has rights too. And in this case, yeah, even even those evil developers that are profiting off of building this housing you know what? They have rights too. The owners of those businesses have rights too. And if their pursuit of happiness is to build more housing so they can put roofs over people's heads, which by the way is in huge demand, and they can earn a profit off of it, you know, tip of the hat. So um, Mike Ryan says, thank you for the nice comments, John. The feeling is mutual, my friend. Yes, I'm fully vaccinated. Let's talk tonight. Um, Mike Ryan says, you should run for mayor of Poway, John. Nah, I don't think so. Um, But thank you for those sentiments. There are powerful forces in Poway that are occupying the the mayoral seat. And I'm sure there are lots of other more qualified people that are are eyeing that job in the future. Um, But who knows what my future is? We'll see. 
I ran for public office once and I came up short, ran for school board in 2014. Uh, but who knows what my future is? We'll see. Um, okay. So uh, just, you know, we're wrapping this bad boy up right now, but I just want to tell you, if you could like this episode, you know, we've got some followers here watching on the live stream. You only got a couple of thumbs up. Give some more thumbs up. And, and again, I'm not desperate. I'm not like pleading for you to like me. But the more likes we get, the more thumbs up, you know, that sort of thing. That's good for the algorithm. That shows that people are responsive to these podcasts. They like what we're hearing. Or if you don't like what we're hearing, I mean, give me a thumbs down. You can do that on YouTube. But the more people respond, then that show, that helps the algorithm, and that means that we'll show up more in people's feeds. Whether you're watching on live stream on Facebook, we'll show up in more people's feeds because you know I have over a thousand subscribers on Facebook, but not everyone gets it right. You don't Facebook kind of only shows your content to some of your subscribers, not to all of them, and then on YouTube. The more people that like the episodes, the more people that subscribe on YouTube, then I start showing up in those recommended videos along the right-hand side in YouTube. That's great. I mean, I've I've gotten some huge response from some of those. I mean, I had some episodes that have had over 3,000 views, which I'm so grateful for. But that's how I'm trying to build the audience. So any help and support you can provide along the way to like, to follow to subscribe to the audio only podcast, you know, we're on Google podcasts and Stitcher and Spotify and Pandora and iHeartRadio. We're on all those platforms or whether you just want to subscribe on YouTube, you know, please do. That's helpful. But then also share these episodes. You can click on the share button in Facebook or on YouTube or just tell a friend, you know, this guy, John Riley, he's got this guy he's doing a podcast. And it's, uh, you know, he's from Poway and he talks about San Diego topics. And we sometimes talk about national politics. Sometimes we talk about sports or we talk about cars. We've done episodes with Pete on the, on the Corvette. We've done episodes with Mike on the 240Z. I've done episodes about electric vehicles. If you like cars, we talk about that. We talk sports. Um, we talk about politics and culture and society and entrepreneurship and business, which we got into a bit today. And we talk about a lot of the hot button issues that are going on right now in our hometown and in the greater San Diego area and frankly, in the nation. Um, so share this with a friend, you know, either verbally or click on the share button. And if you really want to help, Again, I'm giving you the full pitch. One thing that I could really use is more reviews of the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Like if you go um, on Apple Podcasts, you know, you can click on a review and you can leave us five stars. If you think we deserve it, leave us five stars. And then you can write a review and it doesn't need to be long. It can be a sentence, a four sentence paragraph. It doesn't need to be an essay. Um Last I checked, we had six reviews, and they were all five-star, thank you, but only one written review. Um, so if you could, if, that, if you have the time or the energy or you want to help out, I would really appreciate that. Um, the other thing that I'm thinking about doing, and I'm interested in people's thoughts and comments on this, because I cover such a wide range of issues in this podcast, sometimes I think about splitting this podcast into separate shows, you know, maybe one that's just focused on Poway, as an example, and another one that might be just focused on national politics, another one that might be just focused on business and entrepreneurship. What do you guys think of that? Or is it good to have it all under one big umbrella? Um, podcast content should be very niche, you know, very narrowly focused. But I just enjoy talking about all these different issues. 
So I think the right thing to do is to split this into pieces, but I'm always interested in your thoughts and comments. Okay. I got some quotes as I always do. And this is, these are all about embracing change. Okay. And the first one is from a guy named Ken Hakuta, who I didn't know. This this is a great quote, but I didn't know who this guy was. And his name is Ken Hakuta. And he was known as Dr. Fad in the 1980s. He had this popular TV show called the Dr. Fad Show. I never even heard of it. But apparently he featured children's inventions and promoted creativity and inventiveness in children. He said, people will try to tell you that all the great opportunities have been snapped up. In reality, the world changes every second, blowing new opportunities in all directions, including yours. Yeah, yeah I've heard that before. Some people say, ah, oh, all, the, all the ideas have already been taken. And that's not true. I mean, Steve Jobs proved that with the iPhone. And we can come up with countless other examples. The world's always changing. And change is not something to fear. Change is what creates opportunity for us to capitalize on that will improve our lives and take our lives to a whole different place that can be exciting, fresh, and, and frankly, um, valuable. Another quote here, this is from Leo Tolstoy. And he's like the writer of uh, War and Peace, like a, you know, one, of, one of the most famous authors of all time, a Russian author, but a really good quote. And he said, everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. So that's some really good advice. You know, look inward. Rather than trying to change everybody else, change the world, manipulate others, what can you do within? Look within yourself first. Uh, Great advice. Because that's what you can control. You can't control what all these other people are doing, but you can control what you do. So everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. Leo Tolstoy. And then finally... Another quote, this is from Lao Tzu, an ancient Chinese philosopher and writer. Our ancients often have figured out the world long before us. And he says, life is a series of natural and spontaneous changes. Don't resist them. That only creates sorrow. Let reality be reality. Let things flow naturally forward in whatever way they like. Yeah, Um, it's hard to resist change. I get it. Sometimes there's evil that needs to be resisted. I understand that. But even resisting evil is hella hard too. It's hard to resist change. Now, assuming the change is not evil, you know, find a way to accept the reality. Let reality be reality and let things flow naturally forward in whatever way they like. Now, the other part of this that Lao Tzu didn't mention is, and then find a way to capitalize on that change that is profitable for you, either financially profitable or spiritually profitable, or you know, find a way that you can benefit from that change. It may, may, may only require just a change in perspective, just to look at the situation differently. But I think that's a great quote. Uh, Mike Ryan on the live stream. Great podcast, John. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. And (laughs) Pete Neald uh, on the live stream sharing the hieroglyphics of his T-shirt. Intelligence is the ability to adapt to change. 
That's a good quote, Pete. I appreciate that. That's a great way to wrap this up. So this is the John Riley Project. This is episode number 228. We'll be back at you Wednesday at 2. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching. I appreciate all your support. Um, Pete and I are going out to um, um, Spring Mountain Raceway this weekend in Pahrump. I'm going to watch him race his Corvette. That's going to be exciting. Mike, let's connect offline. I'd love to do a sit-down conversation with you about groceries and um, and the potential of the automated sh- uh, store here in Poway. But just also to catch up and have some fun on a podcast episode. And Pete Neal, Stephen Hawking. So that's the quote from your hieroglyphic T-shirt. <laughs> um, and then Yuri, of course, Yuri always watches these podcasts. Yuri, you are welcome to join me at any time. We do not need to wait until your 2022 campaign. So feel free to reach out. Okay. See you later, friends. Have a great day. And um, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.